It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the Week podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And you know what? It's your favorite podcast, Greek for the Week. You know, it's funny as people say, Greek of the Week. And I've actually heard myself say it a few times as well, but it's Greek for the Week. And I was explaining it to somebody. If it's Greek of the Week, then it, the Greek belongs to the Week. And it's not to the Week. It's more of a partitive idea. It's the Greek that comes once a week. And it's part of your week. So <laughs> that's a Greek scholar breaking down to you the language construction of his own Greek program. Oh, the irony. You got to love it. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about the seven churches of Revelation. And today we are on church number four. Okay, we're going to be on church number four, the church of Thyatira. I pray that this is a blessing to your life and the power of the Holy Spirit speaks through uh, this broadcast to minister to your heart and to give you an encouragement, to lift you up so that you can understand how to follow Jesus in the culture that we're living in. Now, that is the most important thing. Really, in these messages, is being faithful to the Lamb. You cannot, I've said this before, you cannot look at the chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation as something that's separate from the visions of chapter 4 through 22. You just can't do it. This was the scenario and the situation and the intent of the book of Revelation is not just for how people were to interpret what John was saying, but to also understand as interpreters who are looking at this conversation between John and the seven churches, how were the churches hearing this? That's part of hermeneutics too. You know, oftentimes in historical critical method, we think about how, what is the writer trying to say? But we need to also understand how were the audience hearing what they heard. That also gives to us a big part of the story. And that's kind of what Letters from Jesus does is how are the how were the seven churches hearing? How would, you know, we look at, the biggest mistake we make in understanding the book of Revelation is we say, how do we understand Revelation in the 21st century? Well, that's an important question, but before we can even answer that, we need to understand how was the seven churches, and really the churches all over Asia Minor, as first century Christians, <clears throat> understanding this book. That gives us a really good springboard to understand what what's going on. Before you get into Revelation and start looking at the Pope being the Antichrist, and Hitler being the 666, and all the stuff that continues to go on. And by the way, if you were to look at 12th, 13th century interpreters of Revelation, you would see that this has been going on from the beginning of time, all right, and uh, since it was written. So let's not even get into that. Let's look at what the seven churches would have understood. That's really a good place to start, all right? Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 18. Before we get into this, remember, Amazon.com, Letters from Jesus. The book comes out September 10th, okay? So it's coming up close. If you haven't got your copy yet, pick up a copy. It'll be a blessing to your life. We'll help you out, give you what you need, like I just said, to serve Jesus in the culture that we're living in. All right, Revelation 2 and verse 18. And to the church in Thyatira. You know who's from Thyatira, right? I was reading it this morning in my devotion. said, oh, how about that? Lydia is from Thyatira. Okay. And the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your work, your love and your service and your patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you. Now notice Jesus. He commends them at first. That's a good leadership principle right there commends him at first, but then he says, I have this against you. He's 
there's some other books out there that teach that this all all this is is full of good news. This isn't good news. This is bad news. Okay, this is bad news, and, and you can't put radical grace on this with your lens of radical grace and then just attempt to say, oh, this is bad stuff going on. There's no way you can get around it. All right, I know I have this against you. Jesus is lining himself up against the church, and he's saying, this needs to change. This is very problematic, and there are going to be very severe consequences if you don't fix this. We lo- sometimes look and say, well, grace, and no, 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 no. We have grace, but if grace is not empowering you to go forward in the holy things of God, it is not grace. And he's telling them, you're working against my grace here, and this is what I have against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel. Now, the Greek word here for tolerate is, is aphemi, which means to forgive. You forgive the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. And I like how he says he gave her time to repent. Jesus will always give people time to repent before they get exposed. Behold, I throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I'll throw her into great tribulation un- 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 unless they repent of her works. I'll strike her children dead. And all the churches, <laughs> radical grace people, they can't get around that. that I've, I've read it. I read what radical grace people say about can't get into now, but it's just way off base. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the heart and mind, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Okay. But the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching and who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken to pieces, and I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. As long as addressed to the church right here, Thyatira. And I'm not going to get into all this here. You get the book. I go through each and every verse systematically, verse by verse. You'll see what I'm talking about, especially when I'm addressing radical grace. There's no place for radical grace or hyper grace. Whatever you want to call it, it's not in here. Or you can't be true to the language. And, and really, I'll say this, is that radical grace books that have been written on this topic, okay, right from the get-go, they're not being true to the text. They, they just go right in. You can see it right from the beginning. They come with that lens. They're predetermined. They're going to find a way, especially when they talk about the church at Laodicea, balancing long grace. It has nothing to do with that. That's just one person's interpretation using a very obvious lens that they were refusing to allow the text to relinquish them up. You know, when we come to the text, we have to, we all come with a context, a pre-context. If you grew up Pentecostal, you're probably going to look for Pentecostal themes. If you grew up Reformed, you're going to look for Reformed themes. Pentecostals, they want to find anointing, power of the Holy Spirit, glory of God, um, um, healing, deliverance. They look for these themes in Scripture. Reformed people, they come in, they look a lot for holiness, predestination, things that have to do with the tulip. Okay, it, there's not, it's okay, you know, if you have a, a, a pretext, we all come with context, okay? But we should, as perf- as good exegetes that are in, in desiring to understand the perfect word of God, come with our context, but be willing to lay down context when we find problems with the text, especially exegetically, and relinquish things that don't really make sense. And I've had to do that myself in a lot of areas, okay? And I'm where I'm at in the paradigm. So we need to do that with, the seven tiers of revelation, and when we see radical grace, it's not in there. You got to let it go, or you're just not being a good exegete of scripture. I want to focus here on this aspect for our podcast today, where he tells the church at Thyatira 
um, that his feet are like burnished bronze. It's one of the funnest words in Greek. I hope I say it right. I have American tongue. I do work hard to pronounce chokilibano. Uh, Only time it's used in all of the bo- all of the Bible really is a very rare word, um, and it it meant an alloy that was metal, and it was thought at that time to be even more valuable than gold itself. It was a very valuable alloy. People put it up there with gold, if not gold itself, because of its rarity and because of its unfamiliarness. It was just an uncommon alloy to have at the time. Um, and Jesus said, this is what his feet are like. So very precious, precious feet. And the alloy itself was very expensive. So you understand he's saying there's something holy and significant and rare about his feet. It attests to his holiness that Jesus moves in holiness. He walks in holiness. And if you want to walk beside Jesus, you have to walk in holiness. You have to be like him. You have to live like him. Our thoughts, our words, our acts and deeds, we have to strive to be holy through the power of his Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? The uh, Panuma Agios, or the Agios Panuma, the Holy Spirit, when we have the Holy Spirit in our life, how do we know we have the Holy Spirit? Well, we're walking in holiness. And holiness is ultimately doing and living like God being distinct from the nations and from the culture. Holiness doesn't just mean, you know, wearing your hair a certain way or or not having a nose ring or, you know, uh, not having your, whatever. Holiness means being distinct and distinguishable from the rest of the world the way that God is distinguishable. If we look like the culture, we're not going to be holy, okay? We have to be distinguishable. We'll, we'll lose our, our effect if we look like everybody else. Now, and I mean morally and ethically speaking. Ethically, we always talk about morality, but what about ethics? What about which plays into politics, plays into the way that we vote, plays into what we support, plays into our, our, our social life? What do we laugh at? Things like this, it all, it all has an effect. And we have to examine these things, okay? Um, so, but let's look at the situation that we're not really, that the, you know, there's certain things in the text that are assumed and are not expounded upon because they're assumed. And one of that is the situation of the Church of Thyatira. Now, Thyatira was a guild town. It was a manufacturing town. It was like the blue-collar workers of the whole group here. And and if you had a profession, uh, they had leather workers, they had bronze workers, bronze smiths. They understood the blue-collar type of work. Uh, you belonged to a guild. Now, a guild was very important because um, that was like your group, your posse, your group of people, people that you're hanging out with. Picture it like a union. You belong to these people. They they do the same thing that you do, and you come together at times to meet with them. Now, this is very important because these guilds were always like anything, really, in those times, especially in the Greco-Roman times, were dedicated to pagan deities. And these were parties. This was time where you let your hair down, you come hang out, you have some fun, you have food, but in an ungodly culture that was celebrating wickedness. These were dedicated to pagan deities, and you know what was going on at this time. It was ungodly. There was filth going on, sexual perversion of all kinds, wickedness, uh, um, lasciviousness. And the Christians in Thyatira, they were hardworking people, and they belonged to the guilds. And so they had a decision they had to make. Are they going to go to these guild parties that are dedicated to the foreign gods and observe the wickedness and observe the sexual perversion, observe the overeating and the drunkenness that were going on, or were they going to sit it out? Now, if they sit it out, that wasn't good for them uh, uh, because in sitting it out, they would have been criticized. Now, remember this, that your non-participation is loathed and usually comes with peer pressure because 
your non-participation and your silence usually condemns the thing that people are doing. That's why if you go out and everybody's drinking and you don't have a drink, they get, oh, come on, have a drink. Why not have a drink? Oh, come on. It's just one glass of wine. You know why? Because they don't like feeling condemned. Even though you haven't said anything, remember, silence condemns it. And and they felt the same way. Oh, who do these Christians think they are? Hey, we know this guy. He used to do these things. And now who is he following? This just king of the Jews. And, and he's not even a Jew. He's, you know, he's Gentile. And he's Greek. He's Roman. And he doesn't want to do What's wrong with this? And can you imagine the problems that, that you'd have to go through socially and professionally if you didn't go to the feast? Worry. Maybe you can get away with not going to one. But you missed two. You missed three. And they know you're not doing anything. And suddenly... Now you have social and cultural problems on your hands, and you're getting this because you're being holy. How about that? You're going to have problems in this culture if you're holy. Jesus says, woe unto you if all men speak good of you. You can anticipate, you can anticipate the problems. It just about every epistle tells us to expect to be criticized. Not, you know what? And for people that go out there looking for the problems, you really don't have to antagonize to do that. You're going to get them regardless if you antagonize. You don't have to go on Instagram and your Facebook and just say things that are jarring to people and shocking to people. You're going to get problems just for doing what you're supposed to. Don't go looking for them. They're going to come. You can anticipate it. if You, you just live your convictions as the Spirit of God has written the law of the Lord upon your heart. And you're going to see... Um, Challenges that come ahead. Uh, as a pastor, now I wasn't always a pastor, okay? Um, I remember all my secular jobs that I had, putting myself through college and not cussing, not swearing, not going on smoke breaks, not going in the lunchroom when people were telling, and it, it just never came very easily. It, it was challenging to do those things because you always had to hear about it. People always want to just rip you for it. You never, I never had to say nothing to those guys. They just, you know, why aren't you ever... Out here smoking with us, Chris. How come you never, you know, how come you don't like to hear these things? How come you don't ever cuss? How come you don't ever swear? And um, so you understand what I'm saying. So what Jesus was saying is you got to make a decision, Thyatira. you got to decide, are you going to walk into those parties? Are you going to walk with me? Are you going to walk into those guild events and, and watch them participate and approve of what they're doing? Or are you going to make a decision to walk with your Lord. And if you're going to walk with your Lord, you got to understand, you're going to have to walk with the fine uh, uh, rarity of Chucky Libano or with burnished bronze. That's powerful. But we have to live holy for God. We can't do what the world's doing. Can't. If you're married, can't get into affairs. If you're single, you got to keep sex before marriage. If you are uh, uh, rich, you got to keep from being greedy. If you have a tendency to lie, you have to tell the truth. If you are angry, you got to keep that temper under. Doing these things is walking with Jesus. Otherwise, you're compromising. And if you want to walk with Jesus, we have to be pure. And you know something? It's not on you to do that. It's on the Holy Spirit. And it's you surrender to the Spirit while being in a community of Christians that can help you be accountable. And you're, de you're desiring it. Now, if you've messed up, you've messed up. God wants to forgive you. If you have a repentant heart, he will forgive you. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you. If you have a truly repentant heart, no condemnation. God wants to forgive you. We're not throwing stones at you. But we want to have a desire for holiness, to do what's right, no matter what the culture says. I've accepted that as a believer, as a spirit-filled believer, 
that desires to follow Christ, I can't always be worried about being accepted in this culture. This life is passing away where pilgrims are strangers. Don't matter how many followers I have on my social media. Don't matter if you like what I'm saying on my social media. I do my best to teach the word. That should be our attitude today. Remember, hold everything in this life loosely. If you need something, I'll tell you what. If you need something to remind you of the the value of this life, just go to a cemetery and just walk around for a few. It seems morbid. It seems a little creepy. It seems, why would you do that? There's a cemetery by my house. I go past it every now and then. You know, and one time I stopped and just looked in there. You know what it dawned on me? I'm 35 now. So let's just say I make it to 85, 50 years from now. I'll be in, I'll be in the ground. And hopefully, by the grace of God, I will live my life for Jesus and not for this world. Amen. Sobering. But think about it today. Live your life for the Lord. Don't try and please people. There's only one you're going to have to stand before, and that's Jesus. Chalky Libano, burnished bronze. Enjoy your life, but live it for the Lord. Walk in holiness with God. Amen? Okay, remember, letters from Jesus, Amazon.com. God bless you. Tell someone about the Greek Fleet Podcast. Have follow me on the IG, the old Instagram, and um, may it be a blessing to your life. We'll see you next time on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.